0: and formulating this uh construct a few months ago a few weeks ago uh we knew that both these couples would be part of this series built to last and so we're so grateful for them i'm going to start with the sheards first help me appreciate it help me welcome uh dr jeff his wife danielle Sheard, on this morning phenomenal couple would you just take a quick moment introduce both of yourselves and just something that maybe we know and we don't know and something good that we need to know
1: uh jeff shears my wife danielle uh we are a blended family um been married 22 years in a- April.
0: Yes. That was, a, that was a long 22 years.
1: Um, we have three daughters, uh, 19, 20, and 27. So um, thank you for the opportunity to just share our, our uh, history of parenting and uh, our, both our mistakes and our successes.
2: And I'm Danielle,
0: and he said it all. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, clap your hands. Help me thank God for Dr. Jeff and Sister Danielle. God bless the both of you all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Brother Johnson, now, I noticed you don't have the Alabama jersey on today because you do know D-Day is coming. They got to play those mighty Miami Hurricanes. Uh, uh, I think it's August the 28th down in Atlanta. And I just go ahead and get it in while you can because... Uh... Well,
3: you got to catch the socks. <laughs> oh,
0: gotta... oh, okay, you got the, the Alabama socks. socks on. <laughs> Brother Calvin, Tammy Johnson, would you all celebrate them? Let's appreciate the welcome them. Give us something about your background, parenting family. We'd love to hear from you.
3: Okay, good morning. City Church, I'm Calvin Johnson. This is my lovely wife, my better half, Tammy. And uh, we've been married for 15 years in May. Um, We are a blended family. Um, A little bit about us, we met in church, in worship. Um, Amen. Yeah. Um, And uh, we both had similar backgrounds. I was... Adopted, um, I went through the DHR system. I was in foster care, and um, I was fortunate was able to be do- adopted by a cousin who raised me as his son. Um, and and uh, when I met my wife, she had a similar background, and um, she had siblings, and they all went through foster care. So we kind of had similar stories. We fell in love and got married, and um, we ventured out. Once we got married, we knew that foster care would be a part of our ministry. So we uh, were foster parents for years. Um, serving um, as foster parents in Montgomery, Alabama. And um, we were fortunate enough to uh, adopt two wonderful boys out of foster care, my oldest boys, um, that came to live with us. So we have a total of six kids, um, ages 10, 11, 13, 15, 16, and 21. Awesome. And um, awesome. I wanted to keep going, but she wanted to stop, so. I'll take as many as God will give us. (laughs) That's it.
4: Sister Jeremy. He said it all. Uh, Yes, I was adopted um, when I was, I actually came to live with my parents when I was three. My sister was two. I actually have nine brothers and sisters. We were all separated. um, And it just amazed me at how God brought the two of us together. Um, with such similar backgrounds, similar but different, uh, his experience was completely different than my experience. Um, but God put it together, and it's amazing.
0: Amen. Amen. Help me appreciate and let's thank God for the Johnsons that are with us today, and uh, let's thank God for their kids. Their kids are here today, and I'm sure the Shears kids are either here or online. And let's thank God for all the entire family. We celebrate the entire family on today. My wife and I, we just want to take a few moments to moderate. So here's what we like to do. Uh, of course, I got to start with Dr. Shears first because I'm going to pick up from that conversation we had about a month ago. I think that needs to be the icebreaker and the opener here. But, um, you know, be- before we close this session, if you have a question, I'm going to ask that you prepare your question uh, for-, for either the panelists. And uh, right before we close out this morning, you have time to answer question. Ladies
4: and
5: gentlemen,
0: Please, welcome to the oh, stage god. brother crawford you all right upstairs he, yeah he, uh, thank you sir
4: <laughs>
0: god bless brother crawford all right so all right so uh, dr Sheard, you That's said some about- call about a month ago and, and i said before it still stays with me because i'm so in the habit of calling my kids kids But you said something that provoked me to think and and I I know you didn't mean any harm when you said it But it did provoke me to wonder, you know, so what's a kid anymore? Would you talk so I use the word kids and on that call you said something to effect of Sort sort of a reminder, you know, hey, they're not kids kids no more. They're adults. Talk to us in the space of what is that something that we all should be aware of or talk to Because I'm sorry because about two weeks later you said kids too. I do,
1: but it's something I'm trying to be conscious of. And I think Danielle and I—we call—we say the girls. We're speaking collectively of our, our daughters. But I think it's something that we need to be conscious of as we transition in parenting. It has, you know, I really appreciate you, Pastor, talking about the different styles of parenting—authoritarian, authoritarian, authoritative—and um, most of us grew up in households where we had authoritarian parents, and we are authoritarian just because of culture and pastors is right, we cannot be authoritarian parents as our children become late teens and adults. And so uh, part of that is kind of reminding myself of I'm transitioning in parenting and that we need to change the way we parent, you know, and not being authoritarian and still father on purpose. You guys know that father is really near and dear to my heart and I still father on purpose, but the way I engage, the way I communicate um, the examples I set because I know even right now, um, having three daughters and knowing as you just alluded to a lot of these a lot of our young men a failure to launch, you know, I'm still praying for my my son in laws and I don't even know who they are. Yeah. But I pray you know, intently, you know, that um I've, I believe we've set our daughters up for success, and I'm praying intently for my mm. for my son and sons-in-law. So, yeah, so it's just a reminder of myself to make sure that I stay engaged as a father, um, but to also understand this transitional period that I'm going through as a dad.
0: Sure, tell you what, before you, go, before you go over here, my wife is gonna go to Sister Tammy next, but Sister Danielle, and so the practice is both, how about both of you all give some commentary to that question as well, and I know I'll put you on the spot, but Sister Danielle, you're, you're, Continue on, if you would, just from that conversation about you know, young girls versus adult girls now and how we as parents should, should adjust to that.
2: Okay. Um, and we are still in that learning stage because our girls now, our youngest um, is 19. So we've kind of moved from that. And it is, um, we do call them the girls, but Jada, we all still call her the baby. Like we all still baby her. And one thing that, I mean, even my oldest daughter, just last year, when she came home, came back from Colorado, picked Jada up. Now, Jada's taller than all of us, except for Jeff. But she picked her up like a still baby in her. And I was like, at what point are we going to let Jada grow up? And, I mean, even Jordan, my oldest, well, when she, hey, Jada, I mean, she still greets her like that. And even Jada's just like, she took a point like, okay. I was like so we've got to let them grow up so you do have to make sure that you matriculate to a different level as you start you know um referring to them talking to them parenting them you do like patrick said you know everybody grows up but you you have to adjust based on those different stages because i mean they're going to be looking at you like why are you still talking to me like i'm you know down here Mm -hmm. um so it's an adjustment and it's an intentional adjustment. You have to catch yourself sometimes. Quick,
1: quick commentary. And so part of allowing children to be adults is allowing them to make mistakes, yes. you know? And mm-hmm. so again, I appreciate what pastor says about us, the transitional piece and trying to manipulate because my mom just say, I see you going to that brick wall so fast mm. and I'm trying to help you avoid that. But at some point we all made mistakes and we survived. So, We can't be manipulative. Sometimes it's just sitting down with our children and making a decision tree and say, what do you want to do? Here's what I think and being okay for them to to run into that brick wall. It's okay because that's part of being an adult and learn and and transitioning them from childhood to adulthood. And when children become adults in their parent's eyes, they really become adults.
0: Hmm. Please say that one more time. Say that one more time.
1: When children transition to adults in their parents' eyes, they become adults. Wow.
0: Wow.
6: Thank you, Pastor Smith. Um, to the Johnsons, okay. You all can elaborate on that. Um, or I would like to know, um, how do your parent how do you parent in a godly way? How, 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 how challenging is it in this 21st century to parent in a godly way with all this going on in the world and you all have pretty much school-aged kids, pretty much. How, how challenging is that?
4: It's very challenging, um, especially with television, mm-hmm. influence of TV shows. Um, Calvin and I have had this conversation on many occasions about television shows today are designed to teach your children how to disrespect you and if you are the type of parent where you you just let your child watch whatever they want to watch on TV they're basically being indoctrinated so we as parents have to take a make a very conscientious decision about making sure we know what our kids are doing what they're doing on the computer What they're doing, what their conversations they're having with their friends, because they're going to school and their friends are giving them bad advice as well. Um, So we try to maintain very open lines of communication with our kids. Um, And I love the fact I know the pandemic has been a pain, but I really like the fact of having my kids at home. During remote learning, I've had so many conversations with my kids about things that their teachers have told them that is not biblical. It's not lined up with the word of God. And I've had to reteach them things that their teachers have taught. I've had many conversations with the teacher and the principal since the pandemic because they're teaching our children things that are not godly. And... Um, You know even after the pandemic is over when it comes back when it comes time for them to go back to school you know that's that's something we're gonna have to pray about you know do we even want them to go back i have always said that i wanted to homeschool but i always said that i didn't feel like i was um strategic enough to be a homeschooler but my children are more important i i'd I'd have i'm seriously thinking about You know, what steps are we going to take when it's time for them to go back to school? Um, But being, uh, praying, keeping a close eye on your children is really important. And the Holy Spirit will not let you go wrong. There have been so many times where we both have had dreams about our children. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit has told us something's going on with them. Wow. And... You have to open the lines of communication. You have to talk about it. And you know, that's really important in this day and age, Amen. communication.
3: Um, just to add to that, um, I, I would like to talk about uh, a little bit about the outside influences outside your home. Because you know we're Christian parents. We, we all share kind of similar views on Christianity. But there are a major outside influences that are speaking to your children when you're not around. Um, you know Oprah has this thing of living your own truth and that's the catchphrase nowadays of you can be your own person you can live however you want you can think whatever you want. Uh, Many of the influences in our children's lives are athletes and you know singers, stars Um, so we try to be very intentional with our children and engage with them. Um, Some things that we do we sit down and we watch certain shows with them. You know we have family rituals where we will watch shows that are not necessarily Christian shows, um, but our children enjoy them. So we want to understand why do you enjoy the show? And that opens up an opportunity for us to talk about things that we can talk about um, uh, things that they are impressing upon our children in these shows that we sometimes don't unaware that they're trying to indoctrinate our children in homosexuality, yeah. they're trying to indoctrinate yeah. our children um, to these just crazy theories about life. Um, so. It's actually fun to sit down with our kids. We um, separate it because the girls have their own shows, the boys have their own shows they like. So we'll pick certain days and we'll just, you know, watch the shows together. Um, We uh, have family Bible studies on certain nights and I make it fun, I bring snacks in and sometimes we have Bible trivias and I reward them with money and, you know, really find ways to get them to start talking. And you'll find if you get to their level and you start talking about things that they're interested in they will open up and talk my my oldest son is he's a quiet guy Um, but the minute you start talking about football this kid will talk wow a lot Um, my middle daughter gabriella um, she loves cooking so it's me and her thing is we'll go and we'll um, find something great to cook and you know i found out that she like Zach Efron and she don't like him anymore because he's old and you know so you'll find out a lot about what's going on with your kids just by doing things that they like to do and getting on their level
0: i'm gonna really put a pretty a pretty heavy question on you i'm gonna stay with you first brother Calvin um i had actually took some notes today and last night it was almost like a straw to broke the camel's back you know how many, you, you talked about television, both of y'all talked about the influence of television and you know, we're not even talking about cell phones in, our, in their hands all day long, basically. But you look at the Nike commercial, this, some of these recent Nike ads where they're really pushing the transgenderism, you know. And I saw, I saw a particular ad last night on TV with Nike. It was supposed to be more of a pro-woman's ad. And, and I know Dr. Sheard and his wife, Danielle, can, can appreciate this because their, their daughters play basketball. And it was, they were trying to emphasize the African-American woman but they kept mixing in the transgender, mm-hmm. and I just kind of wonder how does that mentally affect the the, the pure woman? If you, I say pure, but the the traditional woman, I, I guess I say how does it bother? the genuine woman. Okay. Now, with that being said, tonight you have the Grammys. Look at the Grammys. Look at the commercials. You know, everything. There is an agenda that I don't know if we were pushed that agenda back 30, 40 years ago, but now it is very obvious, very open. So my question to you is, how do you talk to your sons? How do you talk to your daughters about those sensitive subjects? And I'm I'm talking particularly the homosexual agenda um, as it relates to sports competitiveness and the whole acceptance piece.
3: Okay, so the way I approach that is uh, I tell my kids, you have to understand who you are. Where is your identity? Your identity is not in football. Your identity is not in Nike, in fashion. Your identity is not living like the world. The, the Bible tells us that we have to be in the world, mm-hmm. but not of the world. So you're gonna go to school and you're gonna be around people that curse, that are with homosexuality, that drink. Um, they're gonna be making all unrighteous decisions, but we are the righteous standard. Right. Uh, we are the standard for the world to see. Um, as, as parents, um, and I know everyone knows the scripture, but in Proverbs 22, 6, um, the New Living Translation version says, direct your ch- children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Right. And then the, the King James version says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we as parents are trainers and directors, yeah. and we are directing our children. We are giving them that biblical foundation of of how we should live in life, the identity that we should have, the character that we should have. So when you see something that doesn't line up with the word of God, if it ain't in the word of God, then we don't receive it. We don't act that way. We don't talk that way. And I know the world makes it romantic. It yeah, makes it very attractive right, and right. you want to be on TV and you want to live this flashy lifestyle. But what does the Bible say? Yes. And you lay that foundation, you lay that foundation in your home for your children and then you model it. Yeah. Yes, parents. you. You also have to model it. You know, we're not perfect, but we have to be the standard for them to see. So Mm -hmm. if they see us out cussing and, you know, sleeping around and if they see us embracing homosexuality, then, you know, they're going to do it, too. So use the word as a standard. You lay that foundation. You lay that expectation in your home and you stick to it.
6: And, and I want to say this, um, as Pastor Steezes was sharing, and thank you for sharing that because that's, that's the Bible, um, it is important as parents, because even though our kids are adults now, our youngest daughter 18, 23, and then 25, um, the foundation has to be laid early. Because we can try to grab them when they're older, but it's harder if that foundation have not been laid, just like he expressed. So sometimes that battle with your child is because what do you pour into them when they were younger? So we have to interject. You have to start when they're young. So when they're old, they will not depart. Um, Because I look at our kids now, and and, and that scripture just quoted, I have it written down. When they're old, they may have challenges, they may have temptations, but you go back to the word because that's their foundation. We go, we take them to the word. We take them to the word.
0: Let me give Brother Johnson Sister Tammy an opportunity to respond as well, and then we're going to jump back and have the Shears do that, and then we're going to open up a conversation question. So if you have a question, I don't know if we have an extra mic on the floor that's hot. If not, you can just stand where you at, shout it out while repeating for those that are online. And if there are any online questions, we'll entertain those as well. I wanted you to Uh, Yeah, so
3: I I just want to kind of reiterate something you said earlier, you know, although your child may be a teenager, they may be an adult, um, they may be babes in Christ, and uh, the world teaches, the world trains, and as foster parents, we had kids that would come into our house, and we were just amazed at how much they didn't know about God, and about Christ, and our kids were further along, so even if you do have an adult child, or, you know, even a spiritual son or daughter, um, they may be babes in Christ. So teaching biblical principles yes. to whomever will give them a foundation of how you should be as a child of God. Because we all were adopted. We all were a wretched, ratchet. We were ratchet or a mess. And, but when we are adopted into Christhood, he becomes our father. So no matter how old the age is, you can always begin with a foundation with the word of God.
4: And I think being honest with your children and letting your children know that you've also struggled is important. It's really important. Yeah. You don't want your children to look at you mm-hmm. and think that that oh they're just they they've got it all together because we don't, we didn't, and we don't. Can you, without, elab- without can the you Lord, elaborate on that? Yes, without the it? Lord, um, we would be a complete wreck. Um, there were there. When we were growing up, we struggled with sin, um, and before I got saved, you know, the enemy was having his way in my life, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with being honest with your children and telling them that, and if you don't tell them that, they're, the enemy is constantly lying. The enemy is constantly lying. So if you're not honest with your children and, and tell them of the things that you struggled with... The, your children are going to think that you're perfect and that you're a Bible thumper and that you don't know where they've been. Yes, I do know where you've been. I've struggled. And it's nothing wrong with telling them the truth.
3: And just, just to add, add one more thing to that, be specific with your children. You know, it's one thing to say, I've been where you are. I understand. But it's another thing to say, I've struggled with masturbation. Mm-hmm. I've, I've struggled with sleeping around. I was a hoe. Your dad was a hoe, you know. You can be real with your kids because guess what? They're having the same conversation with kids at school. And you know, I found out from my, my, he was 10 at the time that 10 year olds were in school talking about pornography and I was blown away. And this whole entire time I said, "Not, not my kids, you know, my kids understand, but your kids are facing real life situations. So you as a parent, have to be open to be transparent enough to there say, I did X, Y, and Z. I've been there.
0: Wow, thank you, sir. Thank you. I don't know, Dr. Shearer and Sister Daniel, if you want to pick up on that. Uh, I, I've got another question for you, then I'm sure my wife has one. But anything you want to just pick up off of what's been said already?
2: Yes, and, and just to you know piggyback on what they've said too, and it's, it starts young, it does start young. Yes. Um, with our girls like it was so important to have dinner together to sit down together. We didn't eat in shifts. we didn't eat all over the house. we didn't that time of sitting down at the dinner table was a crucial time to open up and tighten. It wasn't a stringent sit down and we're gonna question you to death, but the kids understood you know we sat down, we ate together and that was a time for everybody to just, go around and talk about their day, talk about what went on, talk about what's happening. And that was our opportunity to answer those questions. Learn what they saw on the bus stop, at the bus stop. Learn what they heard. You know, the the cussing and the everything else that's going on and the the girls trying to understand why it's so different there, but this is not what we do at home. That was that understanding that they had. And we told them why we didn't do certain things Mm -hmm. at home. It's important to explain the why sometimes. I know growing up it was like you, you were told not to ask why it's because i told you so but i learned with my girls particularly my middle one because she asked she has to understand like it's not going to go away until she understands <laughs> and so it was important to explain yeah and it's not so much that you're you know um answering to them but you're explaining why certain things are what they the way they are um so we tried to just maintain that spiritual you know, foundation across the board. And we had a very early experience with my middle daughter in middle school with homosexuality where I saw it. There was a particular, and as Pastor said, all three of our girls play basketball. Mm -hmm. And there's a historical, Mm -hmm. you know, thing about girls in basketball that they're, you know, gay and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, this was middle school. And I noticed that one of her teammates walked her to the car all the time. And, you know, other times, you do you just think it's just this her little, you know, best friend or whatever. About the third or fourth time, I was like, yeah. this little girl is walking her to the car like she is her man. You know, because then it was the embrace. Hey, Mom, you know, she's speaking to me. I'm like, hey, you know, then, it, then it's the hug, you know, talk to you later. And I picked up on that, and you, you did, I don't know what we heard it earlier talking about that's that discernment. Yeah. For the longest I've had a discernment that, you know, even coming from like like growing up, my mom has always had that discernment. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Talk about parenting spiritually. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Mm. And I was like, "Mm, something ain't right with that. So a little more time went on. And then finally, I had the conversation with her. I just talked to her. I was like, Jaira, X, Y, Z, and I'm asking her, and I'm, I'm telling, she was like, no, mom, what do you mean? And I explained it to her. I just opened up, I've never believed in sugarcoating it. I called it what it was. I said what it was. I didn't say birds and the bees. I called it what it was. Mm-hmm. And I told her, and I, I explained you know, some of the, the traits and some of what I was feeling, and the more she thought about it, she wow. thought about conversations when they're on the yes. phone of things she said. So long story short, um, a few other, few days later or something like that, the little girl wanted to come over to the house. So mind you, Jara and I, we've already had this conversation. She came to the house. They were downstairs playing. And normally, you know, if it's going to be the opposite sex, that's when you have to worry about them being somewhere, or alone, oh and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So they were downstairs, with, and actually Jada was down there with them. They were playing hide-go-seek. Jara comes running upstairs. And I was like, what's wrong, just the look on her face. And she was like, Mom, she, and, and then she went on to say that the little girl tried to mm. hug or kiss her. They were playing hide and go seek, but this little girl was trying to play hide and go seek, or yeah. something else. And Jara ran upstairs to tell me. That. I was like, well, what happened? She told me that the little girl tried to kiss her, and I was like, okay, tell her to come upstairs. And I told her, I was like, you need to call your mom because you need to go home now and you know, whatever. So long story short, Jara cried and she was like, mom, had we not already had that conversation? Wow. How would she have wow. responded to that? Had I covered it up? Had I not listened to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And then we talked to our girls about that and Jordan had another experiment. Was, it was later on mm. when she was in high school, same thing, but she recognized mm. it. Yeah when it happened, because we had already had that conversation. So when the spirit is telling you, yes. you feel like something is not right, you have to go with that unction. You have to go with that unction. And, and I guess that's all I was gonna, I was going to give another example, but I know we're running out of time, but I could go on and on about the different examples of where what I said, you know, how I was led by the Holy spirit and I told them and they came back like, mom, mm-hmm. it really did. How did you know
6: the Holy spirit? I can't get myself Amen. friends. I don't know everything. I was led. Amen. Danielle, I want to say something on that. She said something that's so major as a parent. God gives you discernment just to be a godly parent, to speak it to your kids. Because so many times, I've heard people come to our church and say, I had to learn by experience. So my pastor said this often, it's like, Everybody got to sow their wild oats. And, I mean, we literally have had singles come to our church and said, nobody told me I could live pure. Nobody told me I could live holy. And then when it occurred, they gave their virginity or whatever. They were like, I didn't even know that w- that was possible. I, d- I never heard that word like that. You understand? So for her to say, I told my daughter this because she saw we think our kids know, but guess what? The Bible tells us to train them up in the way they should go train them up in the way they should go. And as the Johnsons communicated, no matter the age, because for you all to say, you've adopted kids, you were adopted, and no matter where they are in life, and just to pour the word in, that is so powerful. So I'm just, I'm getting educated today in some areas. But like she said, you gotta tell your kids what's going on. Because my kids have told me all kinds of stuff. I mean, from A to Z. And you know what, because I listen to godly parents and moms, when my sons came and showed me stuff on their bodies that I didn't expect them to show me as mom, I'm like, uh, but I had godly parents who tell me they're going to come to you, they're going to do this, this, and this because they're still young. So don't look crazy when they say stuff to you or reveal stuff to you. Don't, don't look. No, be calm because you're equipped to be that parent and communicate what they're saying, uh, what they're dealing with because if you don't say it, somebody else, somebody say else it will say so that's powerful for, to be that parent, to be able to see where your child is and to give them the information of Before. what the devil's trying to do. Because we've seen it go both ways in our family, you know, to see, to communicate what the devil's up to. That's huge. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I'd just like to add about uh, parenting adults. And, you know, one thing I remember is I lived religiously or my Christian experience through my parents or my grandparents and i'm very intentional with my girls as they transition to adulthood to say hey you gotta live this thing you know um and it's very refreshing to me right now to see them leading bible studies with their friends online and Jaira's always on 10 so i overhear what she's saying and she's like you know we just used to read scriptures and now i read that whole chapter and she's explaining to her friends what it means and whatnot like that's refreshing because yes it is we poured we poured into our girls You know, um, I remember my dad took us to church, but I don't ever remember him sitting down reading the word, explaining the word to me, you know? And so it's super important to, you know, when they call and they're distressed or this happened, you know, I encourage them with the word or I send the scripture, but I tell them you got to live this thing. This ain't for play. This is that we don't, we don't play this thing. You got to live this thing and you can't live it through me. This is your own personal relationship with Christ. And you got to get in the word. I know you study and I know you're playing ball. And I know you got weightlifting. But if you ain't wake up, read some scripture and get some word in, you ain't living this thing. And so our kids have to have a personal relationship with Christ.
7: Yes.
0: Amen. And
1: we have to both mimic that and encourage that.
7: Yes.
0: Help me appreciate both the Johnsons and the Sears at this time. What a joy. I wanna open up to questions that you all may have. And we've got just maybe, I don't know, maybe six, seven minutes left before we close the services. We'll have to bring a close to this, of course, but the conversation continues, the the, the the dialogue continues. I encourage you all to keep this going in your small groups, keep it going online, your chat rooms, keep strengthening and affirming one another. So if you have a question, and again, if there are any questions from the uh, social media room, I'll entertain those as well. But if you have a question, just stand up wherever you're at and uh, I'll repeat your question for those that are online for either the Shears or for the Johnsons.
7: Good morning. Uh, I did want to ask a question, and I agree that you do have to train them when they're young. I think part of that training should be some discipline. Mm -hmm. As a 56-year-old with a lot of friends who have younger kids, I'm kind of surprised. And I'm not saying that our parents did everything right, but they didn't do everything wrong either. And I look at some of the children today. They are so grown, so mouthy, all in grown folks' conversation. They're still a child's place. And I think you help them as an adult to learn some boundaries when you give them some boundaries when they're young. And sometimes you just need to whoop their behinds. (laughs) Because, I mean, you're training them to be adults and to live in a real world. And you look at a lot of the young people now, they have no boundaries, because I think there have been no boundaries set at That's home. Good. That's good.
2: That's good. I totally agree with that. Um, and it was interesting, just a couple of days ago, I had uh, one, of, one of my Facebook friends, same age as me. Her girls are kind about the same age as mine. And she wrote a post that she can't wait till um, she's an empty nest and because one of her daughters told her that she hated her or something, she was like, I know y'all know how I feel. And I was like, I don't know how you feel. Because none of my daughters have told me that. And I think, and, and it's not that I'm great and I did everything right and our house is perfect and my girls are perfect, but we set a standard early yes. on and we were yes. consistent about the disrespect. And I think we've gotten to a place, not we, but the the world has gotten to a place where they were loud, that disrespect, and they think it's normal. The terrible twos, Talk the whatever, whatever. At two years old, you know, at one years old, you couldn't verbalize to me, but you understood. You have to understand the kids understand a lot earlier than you think they understand, just because they can't verbalize yet. And it started way early. And we created this united front. And even we never let our girls see us disagree about certain things. Um, as they got older, we had to let them start to see that, yeah, we do disagree. You know, kids can't grow up thinking parents don't ever disagree or fight or whatever. But it was that foundation. And they don't have to be respect- disrespectful. It's not the norm. No, don't think just no. because, you know, you see a lot of kids who, No, it doesn't have to be that way. They can be, and you have to be consistent in making them be respectful.
3: Yeah, so I, I totally agree. I don't understand disrespect coming from kids. Um, because I grew up old school, I grew up around a lot of the older saints, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up with my great grandma and she didn't play. And you weren't in grown folks business, when grown folks are talking, you were outside in yard playing. And uh, that's the way I raised my kids, you know, there is, is protocol and in you instill that in your children from a young age and I'm telling my kids now, I'm still dad, if you're 30, 35, 40, I'm still dad and if you that's disrespect right. me, I'm still going to be daddy. And I think that somewhere in time, we've, parents have, not all parents, but a lot of parents have become passive. Mm. Um, Very passive and they're wanting to let the kids grow up and say anything in their conversations. And you know, I just think that there's a line that you just should not cross. And if you allow your kid to cross that line, then you're gonna get the disrespect. But just know in the Johnson house, we don't play that.
5: Well, in the Rice family, we do play some of those. (laughs) Thank you ever so much. Um, I just received communication from some friends of mine about the series we are on, Built to Last. This is actually phenomenal. It is going far beyond, I mean, it's in Africa as I speak. So I just want you to know how we are very appreciative. Uh, I know I told Dr. Shares before on, online that uh, especially those of us from Africa, honestly, we have our own chat of parenting. Our chat, chat of parenting. We have it. And seeing ourselves in this Western world. But let me just go straight to the point. You talk about discernment, uh, Mrs. Uh, Shares. You talk about discernment. My question is, how do you find a balance? Because these children, they have this syndrome of divide and rule. Oh, mommy says, okay, how do you find a balance? When she went to the dad, probably she told her husband, what I'm noticing about these girls, I'm not okay. And maybe the daughter went to the dad and said, no, it's not like that. How do you find a balance to to have this united front? Because I don't want to tell him, my wife, listen sweetheart, I, and I'm emotional, dude, and they put me in the box. So oh, dad, quick to get, I uh, But let me speak my mind. I'm telling you what I see, and I want to have that arrested right now. How do you find the balance?
1: Uh, so as co-parents, and not just co parents we are in a blended family. So my oldest child has four parents, and so it's really about communication. And sometimes, um, we have to be on the same page and if I I always talk about co-parenting and blended families that our number one goal is to raise our child in an effective environment Then we can get on the same page. There are some things that I have to, with daughters, have to listen to my wife. Even as a father, even as the head of the household, I have to listen to my wife and so I remember coming back home being away for about six months and my middle daughter oldest daughter had makeup and I was about to go in, but she pulled me to a side and called me down. So that was communication. And so it would have been a disagreement in front of our daughter, but it was Mm -hmm. communication. I'm like, okay, I get it. So I'm listening to my wife there again, there have been numerous times I should have listened to her. Um, but as I'm getting older, I've listened to her more. And so that was, so part of this communication was she's able to pull on my coattail and not and not belittle me in front of my children as I'm making comments,
7: true, but to kind of true. pull
1: me aside, come here, can we talk? And, and then tongue-lash me in the back room about what I said. But the important part was, as a man, I began to listen you know, to my wife. Um, yeah. And I just want to touch on one other thing, and I just want to share something on my heart. Um, I share with a group of men that really our most important role as men and fathers is to disciple our women, our our, our Wives and our children, say women because I got a house full of girls. That's our most important. I think we're going to answer for that. We're going to have to be accountable for discipleship of our wives and our kids. If we can't do that, I really don't know what kind of Christian man I can be if I can't disciple my wife and my children.
0: Yeah, very good. Very good. Thank you, sir. Mother Helen.
8: Praise the Lord, everyone. I, this is so informative. I'm just enjoying this so much. But I just couldn't sit here any longer. <laughs> There's a scripture in the Bible that says, A foolishness is sown in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. T- today in our modern uh, way of living, young folks feel that they can't chastise their children according to the word of God and tan that tail when it needs to be tanned. But let me tell you, It's needed. It's needed. Because these children today are out of control. Mm. These young children today, they're trying to to raise the the mothers and the grandparents, telling telling us what to do. And Mm. I remember when I was raising my boys, I'm a grandmother of 50-plus-year-old two boys. So to tell you that, I whipped my children. I did. I whipped them when they needed it because I was raising them as a single mother. My my marriage ended at an early age because I got married at a very early age and I I became single at an early age. And I raised my two children basically as a single parent. My son, my oldest boy, Richard, he he sent me a a Mother's Day card a few years ago. And he said, Mom, he said, I appreciate the times that you whipped my fanny he said, because you never had to go to jail looking for me, or, your, or my brother mm. Darren. She said, we obeyed you, we did what you told us to do because you chastised us. Mm. When I had to beat that tail, I beat it, I did. Yes. And they, my son sent me the most beautiful Mother's Day card thanking me for the times that I did. Don't hesitate to chastise your children by spanking them. I'm not telling you to abuse them, That's abuse is one thing, Chastising is another thing.
7: Mm. Chastise your That's children good.
8: when they need it. They will appreciate it yes. when they get old because they will know that you chastise them in love. Not in abuse, but in love. Beautiful. And let them know the right Beautiful. Way
3: they go. Beautiful.
0: Amen. Thank you, Mother. Amen. Listen. Our our time is up, and I know that you all would agree with me that we could continue this on and on and on. I want to get parting words, last thoughts from each of the panelists and then my wife, and then we're going to close out. Um, uh, Let me ask uh, 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 the Johnsons and the series, would you all, I I know we're still social distancing, but could you hang out just for a little bit in case someone has a question for you individually they didn't ask out loud? You know we'll still practice social distancing if need be after service but before then let's let's start let's start with the Johnson's first uh, you know what is the takeaway today what would be the one thing sister Tammy you want those here in church and those that are online to know when you think about parenting and you know I, I, unfortunately time did not allow us to talk about adoption I know we I saw some emails this week between the church and an organization about some adoption educational opportunities I think but you know, what I learned today was, was so valuable. Uh, you all know we are all defenders of life, particularly for the unborn. And I think in the black community, if we had more education about the values of adoption, we wouldn't see so many babies without options, if that makes sense. We can see that there is value with adoption and those different foster care. I don't know all the terminology, but please speak to that before you give us your parting thoughts. Yes.
4: Um- I believe that being a foster parent or an adopted parent is a calling. I believe that we are all called, we're not all, not everybody's called to adopt. But I do believe that we are called to assist those who are not called. Wow. For instance, we came from a ministry that created care communities around foster parents. I think that more people would, would adopt if they knew that there was a support structure. The church that we came from—they actually created care communities around foster families, bring them meals. Wow. Uh, if it's a tough job being a foster parent, foster parents need breaks. If you could, you know, s- join a group of people that would surround that foster family to give that foster family a break once in a while, watch the kids for them so they can get out. Um, and you know, we had our own biological children in the home, so they also needed to be tended to. So, you know, you may not feel like you're called to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent, but there is something that you can do to assist a foster family or an adoptive family. So, and if we, if every church, if you think about the millions of churches in the United States, if we would raise up two foster families in every church, we wouldn't have a foster issue. If we would just encourage especially the African-American community. We should be taking care of our own. Um, We've had all different uh, races in our home. We love every one of them, but there's no reason why the African-American church has so many children in the foster. It's the, it's the church's responsibility to take care of them, I believe.
0: Two things, Sister Terry, Thank you for addressing that. And that, that I think but I think you were on one of those emails. But we would love to learn from the church in, in Alabama. We could, yes. you know, if there's anything we can do to, 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 to replicate or to learn. Because yes. it sounds like small groups to me yes. also as well as the support. But I have to say this as the pastor. You know, we t- sometimes we get real self-righteous when we see two men. Get, uh, homosexual couples to adopt particular black boy or a little black girl two women and we get real self-righteous when we see that but yet we won't get involved right. as a heterosexual couple right. so that's one of the things we need to work through in our culture is quit being so hypocritical and duplicit when it comes to want, not wanting homosexual couples to adopt children particularly right. ours but yet we won't do that
4: right And I think that we we also need to look at the signs of the times. The enemy is focusing all of his attention on our children. He's focusing his attention on African-American children. Um, So if we see how strategic the enemy is, we as the church should be just as strategic. If we want to affect change, the way to affect change is to get a hold of the children. We need to get a hold of this next generation. And the greatest gift that you can give your children is Jesus Christ. That is the greatest gift that you can give your children. Teach them the gospel. Lay that foundation. Even if you only have those children in your home for a couple of months, lay a foundation of the love of Jesus Christ so that's something they'll never forget.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Let's clap our hands for Sister Tammy Johnson. Thank you, ma'am.
3: All right, real quickly, I just I wanted to leave with everyone that's watching and everyone that's in the building um, and encourage you that there is hope. Um, you're doing a great job as a parent just by tuning in today, True. learning, um, allowing the Holy Spirit to give you some tools to be a successful parent. Parenting is not about getting it right all the time, um, but parenting is about doing the right thing. And um, every situation that you're going through with your kids, there is always an answer to it. There is always an answer, and that answer is found in the word of god um so i just want to leave with you today be encouraged and just know that god is on your side and he has ordained this day for you to get the information that you need to become a better parent
0: awesome brother calvin thank you so very much amen
6: amen
2: But a lot about um, that foundation and if you have laid that foundation, what I have learned, especially with my oldest daughter, is I know that we've laid a certain foundation. Not all perfect, not all right all the time, but I know we've laid a certain foundation and I found that I needed to pull back some because I still was feeling like I was just still so, well, Jordan, no, and then this and that and, you know, versus choices. And it was like, you know what, she's 27 years old. And it's not that I'm always in her ear, but if you come to me, I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer you. I'm going to give you my take on it, but I felt I found I had to pull back. Now I've got to let what what we've taught her, what we've taught them, to show through them. And like Jeff said, they've got to make mistakes. They've got to, you know, with her, I don't want her to make certain mistakes because of the medical concern that we have for her, so I'm like on her, you know. Um, But I I had to pull back. And now the Lord had to show me, the Holy Mm. Spirit showed me that I have to let him do it. I have to let him protect her. When she was away at college, you know, for undergrad, she was away in Philly. And then for graduate, she was away at Norfolk. Who protected her then? Who was right by her then? It wasn't me. I wasn't there, but the prayers. Mm. So I had to learn. I have to let God now. You can't just... I had to learn that I can't just keep being in her ear like this. I had to pull back a little bit. I'm like, God, have your way. Wow. So when he wakes me wow. up at 3 and 4 in the morning, I'm praying. Amen. I don't just wake up and you know, go read a book or watch TV. If he wakes me up, if, if I wake up that time in the morning, I am praying. Because I don't know what God has given me. I don't know what I'm praying for and who, what, we, what I'm trying to pray away. Yes. But I go to praying. And a lot of times, she is the first one that I pray for. Because I'm like, God, only you know. So I encourage Beautiful. you, the discernment, yeah. whatever foundation you have laid, trust that foundation. And now you've got to trust God and allow him to work through them.
7: Amen.
1: And lastly, uh, just to the fathers, you, you, you all know I have a heart for fathers. And I just ask men, father, on purpose, uh, even with your daughters, uh, I'm very intentional with fathering my daughters because, um, I want them to have successful marriages. And so I know from some of my own research that young ladies who report a positive relationship with their fathers, their husbands report higher marital satisfaction. Mm, Young ladies who report a positive relationship with their fathers, when they get married, their husbands report higher marital satisfaction. And so I know even with my young adult daughters that my fathering is still important. So I encourage men to be active, it's active, and still remain engaged with your children, even in adulthood.
6: Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Would you all help give a round of applause for both the Sheards and the Johnsons? Come on, let's give them a round of applause. Let's thank God for both of them. Amen, amen, amen. Amen.